0: I'm here today with Michelle Nunn, who's our CEO, and Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it.
1: just want to say thank you for um, the leadership here and uh, have, have listened to some of the other podcasts and really benefited and think it a great initiative and an important one.
0: Can you tell us a little bit why you're joining us today, why you think it's important for us to be talking about failure? I think we all know, and if you
1: read our latest business literature and magazines and innovation journals, you'll see a lot about the importance of learning about how to embrace failure, how to be transparent about failure, how to bring into your organizational culture the ability to squarely look at failure in the face and then move through it. And I think we certainly recognize that organizationally. I think also most of us realize that personally. Because, you know, we're, life is full of times when we feel like we fall short and learning how to grapple with that, learning how to pick ourselves up, learning how to hopefully not make the same mistakes repeatedly is just an important sort of skill from a resiliency perspective, which we all know is so important in our life and our work. And I think it's particularly important for care at this point because we're embracing a a kind of transformational journey and that entails risk and risk um, naturally entails some element of failure or, you know, you literally know that you're not taking any risk. But when nothing ever goes wrong, you know that you're pretty much on on too safe a course, I think, and probably not true transformation.
0: In that spirit, what are you going to talk to us today? What's the context that you're coming in with? when
1: you're invited to speak uh, on a podcast about failure, it's a bit daunting because there are oh, so many choices that I could make around what to speak about. You know, when we were corresponding about this, I said, well, maybe I should talk about my defeat in a Senate race, which is in some sense, the ultimate public failure is to run for office and to not win and all sorts of lessons around that and moving through that. But it felt like closer to home and more immediate uh, would be to talk about... Care USA's what I would call fourth quarter failure um, in terms of our budget. It might be helpful to speak a little bit about that without going into incredible detailed and difficult complexity of budget analysis Just sort of speak about it at more of a macro level and some of the things that I've been reflecting upon and that I think the larger kind of leadership team has been reflecting upon as well. Thought we'd tackle that.
0: All right. Tell us what went wrong in broad strokes. What happened and why? In the broadest of strokes,
1: several years ago, I and the team looked at the trajectory of where we had been and where we were going and knew that we needed to do some things fundamentally different based upon the changes in the world and that that journey would entail, I think, a real focus on scaled impact, everything from advocacy to innovation and taking the things that CARE had learned over 70 plus years and trying to to magnify them. And that in order to do that, we would need more resources. And that was clear when you just looked also at the bottom line of CARE over the last 10, 15 years is that we've been at best flat lines, but really at sort of a negative two growth rate, a, a declining donor base in terms of then we needed to bring on next generation of donors and penetrate um, from a brand marketing perspective so um, we set some big and really audacious goals around that both in terms of our impact but also the resourcing that would be entailed and we knew that that would involve some deficit spending in order to, to generate, again, both more revenue, more impact, more momentum, more capacity as an organization to be transformational. You know, in retrospect, as I as I look back, I think probably picked some goals that were higher than we would be able to achieve, not in the sense that, that we, we couldn't ultimately achieve them, but at the pace of change, knowing that, gosh, we had a lot of things that we need to do differently in order to dramatically increase our our private sector revenue as an example and that we as an organization would have to be going through a lot of change so it, we basically I, I embraced the goals of, of both remediating some of the things that needed to happen in terms of our internal infrastructure around resource development but um, at the same time kind of having ambitious go forward plans and in the end in the uh in the last couple of years we've thought we've actually um, you know, we use the metaphor, which can sound trite, but I think uh, is true, is that we, uh, sh- we shot for the moon and we hit the stars, but that has real consequences when you are budgeting against that from a budget perspective. And so we fell short in terms of our unrestricted revenue, although we actually exceeded our overall budget. Um, the unrestricted, as everybody at CARE knows who's followed the, the work closely, is incredibly important. And then on top of that we actually overspent which is something that we had not been doing and so uh, as i've described it i felt like we had moved the car into a higher gear and we just weren't quite as good at shifting down when we needed to and through a confluence of uh, i think mistakes and and really often i mean not overt like i just spent more than i had sensibility but Uh, You know, we spent against certain things that were restricted and we didn't raise the the unrestricted dollars or the restricted dollars that were necessary to replace them. People weren't tracking on that. So again, it was, I would say, a collective failure, but ultimately a failure individually that I, as the leader, own. And so we found ourselves at a higher deficit than we had anticipated at the end of the year and had to make some difficult choices in terms of cuts. And it was painful and hard, and it's hard to see your momentum feel like it stalled a bit, but lots of lessons learned, too.
0: What are a couple of those lessons learned?
1: For me, at a personal level, I think I'm always trying to navigate between picking really audacious goals and then also picking goals where you can ensure that you will hit them. And I I think that's a real philosophical and strategic balance. You never quite know if you pick the more realistic approach, will you get less far than if you had picked the audacious approach. Obviously, when it comes to, to fiscal responsibility, you need to find exactly the right line on that. And you need to be able to um, manage to your expenses. It's all the more important because expenses are within your control completely, while resource development is, you know, there are externalities that have, that's not a specific science that you can absolutely predict. So you have to make judgment calls. But um, I think the big lesson for me is always like ensure that you are considering the pacing of change that's necessary. Don't underestimate the journey that you need to take in order to reach the big audacious goal and build in time for that. There are also some lessons around you know, as you're embracing organizational change, how do you ensure that you're communicating effectively that we also need to operationalize our management and execution with excellence. It's not enough just to be audacious. You have to execute as well. And then, you know, I think there's a variety of different sort of managerial lessons that we're incorporating that are perhaps more prosaic but really important. How are we ensuring that the team has all of the right tools, the right training—that we have the kinds of, of check-ins that are absolutely keeping pace with our ability to to measure where we are, and therefore to really calibrate and pull back where necessary. And so, those are lessons that we're applying. I think there's a couple of different ways that you think about failure is, um, you know, what are some of the big strategic opportunities to re-examine? And in most instances, I feel like it's, it's like ethics. It's not that there's one absolute right answer and one absolute wrong answer. The definition of an ethical dilemma is that you have a hard choice and that it's not totally clear. And I think that's true as you think about failure as well. I mean, I, I think we need to, to not think that we, oh, well, let me just tell you the one, two, three things you have to do to avoid this kind of failure. It's, I think being um, more nuanced than that. But then I think it is also then taking, okay, what are the tactical things that we absolutely know that we can and must do differently and applying them with rigor? And that's what we're trying to do.
0: Budget issues always hit really close to home for people. What are some of the specific things we're doing to move past it.
1: On the resource development side, we have really asked the teams to, um, to look closely at their pipelines to give us realistic assessments. When you're doing budgeting, you can either say, this is how much we need, or this is how much we think we can raise. Usually there's a bit of a negotiation between those things. And I think we're erring on the side of this is how much we think that we can raise based upon the pipeline, but still creating some stretch within that. So that's the more of the baseline that we're starting with. Um, again, recognizing we're still trying to stretch um, and we know that we have to in order to grow our impact. And at the same time, on the expense side, we have a whole set of things that we're doing, everything from true monthly check-ins with the teams to different ways of, manifesting our data to training of the teams to uh, more, again, more frequent communication to bringing down, for instance, some of the goals that we had around what we called restricted dollars that we're actually trying to replace unrestricted dollars so that we had a less, uh, I would say, ambitious goal there, one that was more, I would define as realistic. As in most things, it's not one Single thing that needs to change. It's really a handful of things that we're working on, all of which are uh, are focused on ensuring that um, we hit our numbers this coming year. And then, you know, one of the biggest cultural dimensions is just a leadership team that's absolutely attuned to this, that is excruciatingly focused on it and painfully aware of our collective mistakes of the past. And I think one of the challenges of failure is sort of that military analogy, which is. You, you learn all the mistakes of the last battle, but then you are you haven't necessarily been projected to what the next battle is. And so my fear is less it will make the exact same mistakes and a little bit more around, okay, how can we anticipate the next generation of challenges and how we might be prepared to, to meet those as we think about the budget, but also the broader organizational challenges going forward.
0: It's a really interesting question about the next generation of failures. What are some ones that we see coming down the pipe or that we're sort of keeping an eye on?
1: It ties to this broader theme of how much do you incrementally plan for growth versus exponentially plan for growth. And one of my biggest fears is that at a when the world is changing so dramatically and at such high thresholds and that literally the pace of change is so quick, if you think about it from just the news cycles or if you think about it from a humanitarian context, is is care uh, keeping pace with the change in the world? And how does a large organization change at the right speed and be realistic about what it takes to change, but also recognize that a business as usual pace of change is not sufficient. So when I think about the the next generation of the challenges that we face, I I worry that we will we will continue to change and evolve in a um, improved fashion. Right? We'll we'll do better on social media than we did than we did the year before or the year before that but will we change at the rate that we would if we were starting a new organization that was based completely in a digital era? It's not that we have to keep pace with other 75-year-old institutions. We need to keep pace with dramatic, agile, entrepreneurial, creative possibilities that are before us.
0: There's a quote from Warren Buffett that it's always more convenient to learn from other people's failures than your own. What's one (laughs) thing you'd recommend to other people an action, especially for people at CARE, that they can take that's part of your learning from this experience, something we could all do.
1: What a good lesson. And yes, we all want to learn from association versus direct experience, uh, for (laughs) sure. Um, I do think, unfortunately, we're all destined to learn from um, from direct experience as well as associations. Um, you know, I think what I would commend to, to folks as they think about this is how do you maintain a very ambitious and real transformational agenda at the same time being mindful of. Uh, the change management that needs to undergird it. I would also say that we all need to recognize that we, I mean, one of the things that I recognize after many years of failures is there are some things that I'll probably just keep failing at because I'm I'm sort of constitutionally programmed in certain ways. And one of the things that we all have to do is find our, our team members, our colleagues, our complementary associates, that help us to recognize some of our weaknesses and potential for failure and to help, and to help us ensure that we don't. So as I think about failures of, of, that I made and of our team, I think I look to my team members to say, I need you to speak candidly when you think that I'm overreaching or overstretching. I need to ensure that there are people on our team that are laser focused on operational excellence. That's what I would suggest is figure out how to, um, at, the, at the broadest sense, um, take your strengths, but also ensure that you're um, filling in and that you are um, joining arms uh, with those that help create the right complement for you.
0: Thank you so much for that. It's really thought-provoking and also just for being really honest about places that didn't work and also kind of what are our concerns and fears in the future. Do you have any concluding thoughts, last things you'd like to say? I
1: look forward to continued dialogue and, and, you know, we all need open communication. And I think not just within our own teams and hierarchies, but across the organization. And I, I hope that people will reach out through not just, again, who, is, who are their direct reports or who do they report to, but also think about what are your opportunities to help the larger organization ensure that we can succeed and really tell a story of, of, of you know, where did we fall short, but also where, where are we t- taking those and where are we applying those and those applicable changes. The last thing I would say is that I find that there's a funny mix and all organizations, but I, and I certainly find it at care where there is both a fear of being plain spoken, candid, seeking truth to power, but then also a correlating sense that we don't hold people accountable. So it's a little mysterious. How is it that people are fearful and yet we have a lack of accountability? I think we would just ask, I would ask people to err into be transparent, be candid about what's going well and not going well, what your observations are. And I know that, that people do that in a gracious and considerate and kind way. We need more truth telling about what's not going well. And and we need more candor around what it will take for us to reach our big goals and, and to be able to be audacious and realistic.
0: Thank you so much for those thoughts and for spending some time with us today. Emily, thanks a lot. Really
1: appreciate it. And